Hello, my friend, and welcome to this episode of the Daily Walk Heaven Words podcast. Today, the word is really incredibly inspiring, and Jesus is showing us uh, what it means really to live fully a Christian life, a life that moves in becoming more and more like him. Let's open our hearts and minds so that we can welcome the word for what it is, God speaking to us so that we can respond to his love and become more like Jesus. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who, taught by the Holy Spirit, we dare to call our Father, bring, we pray, to perfection in our hearts the spirit of adoption as your sons and daughters, that we may merit to enter into the inheritance which you have promised. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and proceed him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him, Walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water towards Jesus, But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened, and, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God, the Gospel of the Lord. As disciples of Jesus, we take another step, moving closer and closer to God. And it's something that I always say, right? Somebody brought it up, like, why do I always start by saying, as disciple of Jesus, we take it another step? Well, guess what? It's because even though every baptized in the world is a Christian, some Christians, many Christians, decide to respond to this call, and they become disciples. Do you understand the difference? So for us who want to respond in faith and want to follow Jesus and become disciples, It is imperative 
that if we want to follow Jesus, we must look at where Jesus is going. You remember the lovely little game that we learned as a child, Follow the Leader. I always remember this game uh, when I read in the book of Revelation that all the saints in heaven, they all follow the Lamb wherever it goes. Okay? So the Lamb goes this way and they all go that way. None of them says, oh, why do we always have to go that way? Right? You just go. You keep your eyes on the shepherd. You go, you, in, the, in, the, in the book of Revelation, it's the Lamb that leads them in order to get where you want to go. It's the same for us. We must make sure that we always have our eyes fixed on Jesus. What happens when we have our eyes fixed on something? That the thing that we're looking at is at the center becomes sharp. But then all the other things around become fuzzy. We can still see them, don't kid, right? But they do not have a central role in that vision, field of vision. The same with us. We look at Jesus, we see all the other things, but what gives them meaning, what gives us direction in life, is what we focus on. And that's lesson number one that I learned when I learned how to, I was learning how to bike, how to go on a bike, right? What, what, what's the lesson? That you keep your eyes, it's the same with driving. You keep your eyes on the road. If you look at the tree, you know where you find your bike? Right at the tree. Been there. There are very few trees in Italy, but I know them all. First hand. Good. So, what happens? Why is this so important? Because we have been hearing so much about our Christian life. God is revealing himself to us as a father who calls us to be members of his family. And this is the big treasure that we find, the pearl of great price, something that, that nobody else can give us. And what is it? The fact that we can become children of God. God has adopted us as the opening prayer today reminds us. And I hope we are going to use this prayer throughout the week for your personal prayer because it's very powerful. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to behave as children of God, sons and daughters, because God, in His great love, has adopted us. And how does He do it? To the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is the heart of Christianity. God adopted us to be members of His family so we can call Him Father because He called us first sons and daughters. Okay, so this is not God who's over there, I'm here, I'm offering some prayers to make him happy so I can get whatever I want. This is a God who calls me to a very deep relationship. This must always be fixed at the center of our field of vision. All the other things must be secondary. Last week we heard that nothing can separate us from the love of God, from the love of Christ. All right? Why? Because the covenant in which God entered with us is, it, it, it doesn't change his mind, is eternal. And God is committed. He's not going to say, you know, I've given you so many chances, but keep warm and well fed. Go. I'll see you in whatever. He's committed. 
and has been sealed with the cross, with the blood of Jesus. So why is it that sometimes I feel that things don't go well? I'm sure you feel that everything is more powerful than the love of Christ. Because we are looking not at the cross, but we're looking at something else. And when we look at something else, we take that as the center of our attention and we respond to it. We behave in that way. So it is true that nothing can separate us from the love of God except us. We can make a choice that make us step a little bit off from the love of Christ. So we want to become aware of all these things so that when they happen, we are ready to face it and we do whatever it takes to go back to looking at Christ and Christ alone. You have to understand that between our original sin and the devil, the enemy that tries to interfere, we need to make a great effort to remain constantly focused on Christ. And remember that what the devil wants to do is to make us shift attention. He just wants to make us look a little bit off so we don't look at Christ anymore. I'm not making this up, it's in the book. And what happened, where this happened? It doesn't happen here. It happens as we cross that door. As we cross that door, the devil go, in the parking lot sometimes, isn't it? The way we, it becomes, so we need to really make an effort to remain focused. Why am I saying this? Well, because this is a theme that is, happen, is coming out constantly in the literature of the world. In the first reading, what, what's happening to, with Elijah? If you have prepared yourself for the liturgy and you followed in, in a miscellet, you know that the Bible reference uh, skips a couple of, uh, it, it tells you that the, the passage we heard has some missing verses, okay? The editors that put together the lectionary just clipped a section. So what's happening? Well, Elijah just had the confrontation with the prophets of a god called Baal. And they had a confrontation, and as a matter of fact, uh, God responded, Yahweh, our God, responded to Elijah's prayer and not only showed them wrong, but he killed all the prophets. Big, big thing. You've got to read the book, it's fantastic. Don't watch the movie, read the Bible, it's much better. So what happens now? The queen who worshipped that God is very upset because she lost all the prophets. And what does he do? He wants to kill Elijah. So Elijah is running away from the queen. I totally get that. Somebody wants to kill you, what do you do? You run. Good, Elijah. Where is he going? Where he ends up going? To the Mount of Horeb. A mount called Horeb. You know what else? This mountain is very popular in the Bible because it's also known with the more popular name called Mount Sinai. It's the same mountain. And you know what happened on Mount Sinai? God gave to Moses the Ten Commandments. So he runs. It makes you wonder, right? Moses spent 40 years in the desert and Elijah can run there. Somebody was not asking for directions. That's another homily. Keep coming back. So what happens? God, now, Elijah is there. But all of a sudden, he starts complaining to God. And that's the part we miss. Start whining. And he said, why am I the only one worship God? Because God tells him in the cave, like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there. 
And he says, well, there is nobody left that worshiped you. Well, that's not true. Because Elijah knew that there were different people still worshiping God. It's in the previous chapter. He knew that. But we reach sometimes a point when we stop looking at what God is doing and we only look at ourselves. And what happens? We start imploding. Oh, if people were more like me, we, the church would be in much better shape. Oh, if these priests, you know, if the people would do, if the Pope would do what I think, we would be in much better place. Have you ever heard people saying that? Maybe it's you. It's all right. You know, but sometimes it's the same. Oh, if people will think about this country in the way I do, we will be much better shape. We do the Elijah thing. What are we doing? We are imploding. We are ignoring others. Why? Because we no longer see them as God sees them, but as a category. And of course, I'm way better than they are. What do you think is happening? It's original sin kicking in, making me feel I'm way better. So I don't have to change. Everybody has to. And do you think it's true? Nope. Because as disciples of Jesus, we are all going in the same direction. Some of us have to speed up a little, but we are, eventually we still have to go there. Some other people take their time, but what matters is that they are, we are still going, following Jesus. Now look at what's happening in the story of the gospel. It's already a powerful story, right? And, uh, but there is a little detail that is very little that we might probably missed it, and it makes for an interesting spin. What's happening? The story, as I told you, is very powerful. Uh, first of all, it's happening after the multiplication of the loaves. You remember we heard that last week. Jesus receives the news that John the Baptist had been killed, and he wants to take some time off. He wants to withdraw because he wants to grieve, he wants to pray. But as he's doing that, people gather and bring their sick, and he's teaching them, he's ministering to them. And you remember what happened. The disciples go to him and says, it's already late. Can you let them go? Because they have nothing to eat. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. And the story of the multiplication of the loaves happened. That was last episode, yes, uh, last Sunday. This story is completely connected to that one because he begins by saying, when he had finished with the crowd, dismissed the crowd, and they're collected together. Jesus does something interesting. He makes the disciple go on the boat and say, go on the other side. He forces them. It's in the book. He's telling them, you must get on the boat. And I'm pretty sure they were going, uh-uh. It ain't going to happen. This is not going to happen. That's why the gospel says that they were terrified. Of what? They are professional fishermen. They have been in a storm before. Don't you think? Why is this all happening? Jesus made them go on the boat. We know that they didn't want to go because on the, that lake, at night, something particular happens. Still happens today. Winds change and the water becomes very stormy. Okay, they knew that. They said, we're not going because the storm is going to happen. 
And they did not have very good technology. Their boats were designed very poorly compared to today's standards, of course, and therefore they would lose control. Also remember that for them, for the Jewish people at this time, the water is the ultimate enemy. They are afraid. They never developed a navy. They did not want to have anything to do with water. They were terrified. They could not handle it. But now Jesus is telling them, in order for you to take another step, you have to do this. And what is it? Face whatever it is that you think stands between you and me. What is the thing that you fear the most? What is the thing that concerns you the most? What is the thing that makes you go, ooh, I don't think so? Face it, because I'm going to be on the other side of it, proving to you that my love for you is everlasting. It's unconditional. So the disciples do it. They get on the boat and go, and guess what happens? The storm comes. They knew it, and they're terrified because now they, it's night. They don't have electricity. They don't have a GPS. They don't know what they're doing. And isn't that sometimes like this in life? You know by faith you're going somewhere, and then something happens, and now there are consequences. You have to take care of that. You know that Jesus told you to do that, but you're still alone doing the whole thing. But did you notice another thing here? Jesus went on the mountain to pray. And it's Jesus from the mountain that looks down and sees them having a problem. And what does he do? He gets there. And he walks on water saying, dude, that which scares you, that which concerns you, is what I have overcome. Have I not told you, have I not tell you that nothing can separate you from my love? So here it is. I'm coming to you walking on water. And they, of course, they were not able to see who Jesus was. They could not recognize him because who, what they were looking at, they were looking at the storm. And therefore, Jesus was off center. It's a ghost. They said, nope. It's me. And awesomely, I get to give Peter a lot of credit. He says, well, if it's you, make me walk on water. Okay, but good. What does Jesus do? Jesus always encounters us where we are. And he says, come. And this is a very important lesson. If we want to face our concerns, if we want to face our fears, if we want to face our difficulties, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, move when he tells us to, and understand that if you want walk on water, you must get off the boat. If you want to walk on water, if you want to go through a difficulty, if you need a blessing in your life, you need, you must get off the boat. But a boat, it makes me feel safe. And you're going to keep, you're going to stay in the boat. You're never going to walk on water. What happens? He gets off the boat. I'm sure he must have been incredibly cool. Can't wait for Peter to tell us more details when we see him on the other side. But what happens? What does the gospel tell us? 
that he became frightened and began to drown. When? When he saw the wind, when he saw the storm, when he kept his eyes off Christ and realized what was happening and began to drown. And even there, he said, Lord, help me, I'm drowning. You looked away. And Jesus immediately grabbed him and took him out. And then what does Jesus say? Jesus says, oh, you little faith. Little doesn't refer to quantity, you know, little and a lot, but to the quality. Because he was exercising a faith that was weaker than the storm. It was a faith that was weaker than Jesus' word. It was a faith that was weaker than the victory that God has given us. What kind of faith do we have? Are we easily shaken by the storm of life? Or when, whenever we feel that something is not going right, we deepen our relationship with Christ, making sure that our eyes are on Him. Would Jesus come into our life and say to us, of your little faith, that is so shaken, so quickly, so weak, or not? And what can we do to make our faith stronger? I think this week we are called to look at whatever happens in our lives as an opportunity to make us strong from whatever we hear in the news, from whatever it is going on in our lives, our businesses, our things, whatever it is, it's an opportunity for us to ground ourselves on what concerns us the most so that we can walk on water with Jesus. And we can pray and ask the Lord, say, what is it that you want me to take, the action you want me to take so that I can get off the boat and get closer to you? What a powerful week this is going to be if we remain focused on what matters the most, Christ, Christ crucified, who calls us closer to him. And as we continue to pray, we want to thank the Lord that once again, he is revealing himself to us as the one who's calling us to do the unthinkable, to walk on water and says, don't worry. I will be on the other side and together we'll continue the journey. And I hope you found the gospel uh, inspiring to you so that you may take another step, heavenwards. I wish you well, and I hope to talk to you soon. I'm Father Stanislaw, and I ask you to, if you can, please pray for me and all the other priests and all those people involved in the ministry of the Word as we keep all of you in our prayers as well. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.